I'm a stud. I'm ballsy. I don't take no shit from anyone. I smoke my stogie anywhere I want. I don't have to find a hideout place like you. How bad is number two on In the 2021 NFL Draft, the Atlanta Falcons select Kyle Pitts. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. Touchdown, Atlanta! What is up? My name is Jesse Head, lifelong fan and season ticket holder. This is another episode of the Heads Up Podcast, your source for all things Falcons related. Jason, hit the music. Our Atlanta Hawks are going to the Eastern Conference Finals. They do the unthinkable, beating the Sixers in a Game 7 in their own damn house when nobody said we could do it. The sports media is in a frenzy right now. You know they want to talk about all the super teams and all the megastars that are out there, but here we are. A team that's resilient, full of grit, full of heart, no clickbait names other than Trey Young. Just a bunch of dudes working working together and stepping up for each other at the right times. Um, absolutely incredible performance in Game Seven. I don't. I can't remember the last time I was on the edge of my seat watching an Atlanta uh, sports related game that excited and that energetic and that nervous um, about anything in a very very long time. Man, it was a lot of fun to watch. Uh, just awesome to see our team come out on top uh, against a team that nobody said we could beat. Um, and that's been the narrative this entire playoff run. And, um, you know, here we are. Uh, we end up in the Eastern Conference Finals, man. Absolutely special. Kevin Herter uh, with the game of his life, scoring 27 points. That man will never buy another drink in Atlanta again. And I guarantee you this, too. He has unlimited wings at Magic City moving forward. Uh, John Collins had a hell of a series as well. Uh, he's definitely getting a, a max contract. Played incredible uh, this series against the Sixers. Uh, posterized Joel Embiid and wore a shirt with a picture of it after the game on Sunday in the post-game press conference. Uh, one of the coolest things I've seen in a long time out of a player. Uh, Gallinari with the game-winning steal. Uh, probably the clutchest moment of the game. Reaches behind the back of Joel Embiid and steals it uh, with under a minute left to go. Uh, Kevin Herter passes it to him, um, and he uh, dunks it uh, to seal the game. Um, and that that right there was the moment to me. Out of everything that happened, from Trey's three, which was super clutch in the last couple minutes, um, to Kevin Herter's performance, that moment right there was the, was the gut punch uh, that knocks the wind out of you. And that was the moment right there. And Gallinari, he had the steal and the dunk. Um, absolute iconic moment for him in Atlanta Hawks history. And Trey Young, man, uh, the clutch three in that last couple minutes was was you know exactly what you needed. You know when you're a superstar, what matters most, you know throughout a series like this is showing up when it when it matters most. Uh, when it's the most important time for you to, to you to, for you to make a play, and and he shows up in those moments. I don't want to hear all the shit about, you know, he went 5 for 23, had a horrible game. Um, he's going to take his shots, but make no mistake, he's the reason that we have this tempo. He's the reason we have this edge, the chemistry and the belief in one another. He is the heartbeat of this team, and his presence out there is contagious. 
Um, his attitude never changes. Whether he's missing shots, whether he's getting bullied around or not, he's still got that dog mentality in him. And, you know, he's the reason. He's the reason uh, for the Hawks right now. And you got to give that man credit for everything that he did. This was his worst game that he's had in the playoffs, and he still had 21 points, had a ton of assists, um, was passing the ball around, playing with edge, uh, you know, building that that grit amongst the team, keeping that that chip on his shoulder uh, with everybody. And again, man, that's contagious. Um, Trey Young is an absolute icon for Atlanta, and I think when it's all said and done, he's going to be the greatest Atlanta Hawk to ever play the game for us. So uh, it was it was absolutely incredible. And Nate McMillan, uh, what a second chance for for this guy as a head coach. Takes over a losing team at 15 and 20. Takes them to the Eastern Conference Finals, um, which starts this Wednesday for us. Um, listen to this soundbite in the locker room uh, Sunday after the Game Seven win. I, I look, I, I respect the hell out of you guys. Respect the hell out of you, man. Because it's all about what we've been talking about. That fist. I told you from, from at the beginning of the, uh, before we went out, you were built for this. Shit. Yes, sir. You were built for this moment, man. Being calm and being connected and taking this game. It's the same thing you did in New York. We're going to stay hungry. Yes, sir. We're going to stay hungry. Okay? And we're going to do what we do out on the floor. Hey, hell of a job. Hell of a job. Hell of a job. There's still work to do. Okay, there's still work to do. Respect the hell out of you guys. Appreciate you guys, man. Okay, good work. So a lot of coaches can say that, man. There's a lot of coaches out there that do say that. But the question is, do your players believe it? Are they buying in to what you're saying? And the answer with the Hawks is yes. And that's thanks to the culture that he's created. Um, he has... You know, made these guys believe in themselves and made these guys hungry and understand that there, there is no uh, threshold where we stop. There is no point where we've ha- where we've gained enough uh, victories per se. Our, our our point of victory is when we win a championship, and that's what he's pushing for right now. And they believe it. They're bought into it. Trey Young said it in his post uh, post presser. He said, "There's no time to celebrate." We got a good team ahead of us that we're going to be playing the Bucks, and he's and, and and they're ready for it. Every single one of them are saying it. They celebrated on the court, went back to the locker room, celebrated there, and now it's go time, and they're ready for this next series. In fact, more, you know, just to add to the to the culture that that Nate McMillan is creating, they're not going back to Atlanta. They they are flying directly to Milwaukee because they they everybody on that team packed to win this game. And and that's creating that culture of we're going to go out there and win and we're going to and we're going to continue to be playing after this. We're we're not packing for the possibility of losing and coming back to Atlanta. We're packing to go to the Eastern Conference Finals. And that's what Nate McMillan, that's what Nate McMillan is creating here. This guy is special. Um it's crazy. I you know and I'll be honest with you, I was one of those people when we fired our coach and a new guy popped in, I said, "Oh, some guys, you know, just become our, you know, our coach." We're going to continue to lose. And here we are, Eastern Conference Finals. Absolutely awesome, man. And the narrative continues uh, that, you know, Bucks are going to be the big bad team that the Atlanta Hawks cannot overcome. It was the same narrative with the Knicks. Uh, it continued with the Sixers. And now it's continuing with the Bucks. Um, but I'm pumped about this. You know, I had, 
I was nervous as hell all Sunday as I waited for that Hawks game to come on. Um, but after watching it and seeing Trey have an off shooting night and, and you know seeing the other players capable of stepping up uh, you know for Trey's uh, lack of scoring, I've got full confidence heading into this series. Uh, but if, if you listen to the you know the the, uh, the media out there, the mainstream sports media, they, they are casting us as the team that's the underdog that's not going to be capable of overcoming the Bucks. So I love it. It gives us that chip on our shoulder. Uh, I'm pumped up for, for this series that starts on Wednesday night. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Make sure you tune in. Uh, there's no benefit for me, but uh, if you're any type of a sports fan, and I assume you are because you're listening to this, you certainly uh, want to be a part of this, uh, be a part of the Hawks history that's uh, unfolding right now for us. So a lot of fun with that. Uh, but uh, we're going to get into uh, the uh, Falcons-related listener questions that were sent in, guys. Um, I had a, a lot of questions that were sent in via message, um, so definitely want to get to those. You know, this uh, this podcast, you know, I, I disappeared for a while, got married, uh, went on trips, um, had a lot of different things going on, and, um, you know, came back to this podcast and doing this podcast uh, after about eight months off. And we're already back up to about 250 listeners per episode. So um, that's freaking awesome, man. And I wanted to to do an episode that was ran by, ran by you know, the listeners um, and, and the questions that are provided from you guys. So uh, we're in between OTAs and uh, training camp right now. So there's a lot of not really a lot of stuff going on. So it's a great time to uh, to do this. So we're going to jump into this right now. There's some a lot of different questions discussing some various topics, um, wide receivers uh, type questions, who's going to be our number two, number three guys, um, injury-related questions, record predictions, uh, all kinds of stuff. So uh, let's jump into it right now. All right, guys. First question comes from at ATL.Capital on Instagram. Who do you think steps into the wide receiver two role um, with Julio Jones gone to the Tennessee Titans. Um, I think it's probably going to be Russell Gage if I'm you know, looking at last season. Obviously, we have a new regiment in here that's going to see things completely different and have different ideas and uh, what they think makes up a, a great number two, number three receiver. Looking at our wide receiver list that we have here, Calvin Ridley, uh, Russell Gage, Alamad Zacchaeus, uh, Taji Sharp, who is a guy that we got from the Tennessee Titans, who was released there, but he played there during Arthur Smith's time. Uh, Frank Darby, who most of you know we got him in the draft. Christian Blake, Chris Rowland, and Jeff Bidette. Um, looking at this list, you know, one of the things that we have to remember um, about this offense is that uh, they run 33, uh, per- 33% of the time we run 12 personnel, so we have two tight ends out there. So, we're not going to see a ton of three receiver sets and whatnot. So I sometimes I question just how much of this wide receiver, um, how much of this wide receiver talent that we are going to see out there. But as a number two guy, I, I you know right now I'm kind of sticking with Russell Gage, but I could see um, Alamad Zacchaeus stepping into that a little bit. Uh, just not quite sure he has enough, um, I guess, provenness, if you will, um, and reliability yet. But you know only time will tell. He's a young guy. Um, I definitely think he'll be our number three receiver. I know that doesn't really answer your question. Uh, to answer your question, I'm going to go with Russ Gage. But I think the better question is who's going to be our number three between Alamide Zacchaeus you know, and Frank Darby and then uh, you know, this new guy, Taji Sharp. Um, and then we just signed the Jeff Bidette guy who uh, ran like a, a 4-2-7 or something like that um, at the Combine. Super fast dude. 
that maybe they're bringing him in for you know a deep threat. Although I don't know um, how much of that type of um, that type of uh, attack is going to be um, the offense that we run, going for you know a bunch of deep balls and things like that. Um, so I'd like to say uh, for number two, it's either going to be Russ Gage or Alamad, probably Russ Gage, and then our number three guy is going to be uh, Alamad Zacchaeus. However. Uh, if if I'm picking with my heart, I want it to be Frank Darby. Uh, seeing Frank Darby, um, you know, after the draft and seeing all the interviews that he's done, the energy that he brings, the positivity that he brings, and, and knowing his story, I talked a little bit about that um, on the first episode that we put out um, uh, reviewing the draft this year um, in our return. But, uh, you know, Frank Darby's a good dude, comes from an awesome past, has a really uh, – or it comes from a pat, a difficult past, but look, views it and um, uses it in a very positive way. Brings a lot of energy, brings a lot of positivity, all, always smiling, looking at the bright side kind of guy. Um, so I'm excited to what he does to the culture in that wide receiver room. Uh, but I hope Frank Darby uh, ends up being uh, one of the uh, one of the top receivers for us. But gonna go with Russ Gage as our number two, and our number three will probably be Olamide Zacchaeus. Question number two comes uh, from Masculine Muffin Top. Uh, his name is TJ. Uh, also comes from Instagram. Are the Falcons still pursuing legal action against FS1 for messing up our leverage with Julio Jones? I doubt it, man. Um, we wouldn't. We probably wouldn't know about it anyway. However, uh, at the end of the day, you know Julio was under contract. I don't think that. Um, we could have really lost any more leverage than, than you know what we had. I mean, we were at where we were at with Julio. The the thing that people failed to realize: everybody wanted a first round pick, first round pick, first round pick. Hell, I wanted a first round pick for him. But at the end of the day, we really didn't have any leverage to stand on. Um, you know, he was a guy that's older. He's injured. We were up against the cap. The biggest enemy that we had is that we had no cap space. We, you know that was the biggest thing with this trade. People knew that we had to get rid of somebody, and it was likely going to be Julio Jones. Um, and if I'm if I'm guessing, you know, I I'm, I bet that a lot of people out there, you know, executives talk, people hear things, you know, in that in that world of of you know professional football, there were probably a lot of people that already knew that Julio Jones wanted out. So. Um, I don't think we really could have lost, you know, any more leverage. Even if they didn't know that Julio, Julio wanted out, at the end of the day, uh, we were in a situation with an older receiver, a new regimen. We had no money, and you know, we needed to we needed to trade somebody and clear that cap space. So I don't think we could have, we gained or lost any leverage with him, you know, going on FS1, talking to Shannon Sharp, and telling him that he wanted out of Atlanta, or he was out of there, as he said. Um, so I think it is what it is, brother. Uh, next question comes from a message also on Instagram, uh, Justin Myrick, uh, Big Justin, it's my uncle, love you, brother. Um, what is your record prediction, and do you think the Falcons make the playoffs? I said before, uh, you know, we just kind of broke down the schedule that we would um, probably go ten and seven. I kind of still stick with that. I don't want to flip flop or anything like that, but you know, it's. It's it's hard to tell at, at this point. You know, obviously we won't know until we kind of play those first couple games. But we have a pretty easy schedule. Uh, a lot of rookie quarterbacks, a lot of weak quarterback play. Um, I think that we could end up at ten and seven. You know, by best best case scenario, you know, eleven and six. Um, 
But if I, you know, if I had to throw some money down on it, we'd probably end up in the, you know, the eight and nine, nine and eight realm somewhere. So, um, I am hopeful and think it's certainly possible that we can make the playoffs. I think this roster is more talented than people give it credit for. I think our offensive line um, is going to be better. I think we have a proven quarterback um, that is fully capable of, of obtaining a, a, an, an, uh, an offense, a new offense, and, and being good in this type of offense, a simplified offense, a lot of play action. Uh, two tight end sets, you know, prote- extra protection provided. I think that this is Matt Ryan's um, bread and butter. This type of offense. The only question is how quick does he get it? I feel confident that he can that he can take on the task pretty well. And you know, so does Arthur Smith. Or they wouldn't have, they wouldn't have stuck with with Matt Ryan. So biggest question mark is going to be defense and what can our defense do? And I think that'll be the tell all tell for. Um, what uh, you know? What our record ends up being is uh, how our defense performs. But uh, I'll stick with ten and seven as as my uh, you know hopeful prediction. Uh, but like I said before, you know nine and eight, eight and nine, something like that. Next question comes from Atlanta.Falcons.Germany. This is actually a cool group. I follow along with these guys. I don't know what the hell they say uh, because they speak German on there. But um, this is a basically a huge fan group, fan club. Um, I, I think possibly the premier fan club, if you will, um, over in Germany. They got a ton of dudes involved in this thing. They do a show um, like every other day, uh, talking about the Falcons and stuff. But they ask, um, as the biggest German-speaking Falcons fan club, we would like to know if you are organized in something that may or maybe know something like that with the Falcons. We would love to establish contact with the U.S. about this. Our goal for this is to have a big group traveling to Atlanta to see one or two games every year. Thanks in advance and greetings from Germany. Uh, That's super cool, dude. Guys, I appreciate it. I bet y'all do some awesome work if I could understand it. I'm not involved in anything like that. However, I do participate in a pretty decently sized tailgate. um, And there are tons of massive fan clubs um, in the Atlanta Falcons fan base that would totally be all about that. If you guys want to come uh, and let me know sometime you guys are coming, I'd be happy uh, to have you guys join the tailgate with us. Uh, I'd love to drink with some some wild uh, wild German folks um, and party with you guys. So um, hit me up on that. Would love to do that. But I don't know anything specific, but I can promise you there are a ton of fan groups out there. Um, and I will do my research. I'm uh, you know follow along with a lot of different fan clubs and different things like that on Facebook and whatnot. Never been really involved uh, with them, but have been invited to the to the group chats or whatever and, and see all kinds of stuff going on with that as a season ticket holder. So I'll look into that, guys, man. I think that's really cool what you guys are doing. <clears throat> Next question uh, comes from Falcons underscore drip um, on uh, Twitter. When did you first become a Falcons fan, and what is your favorite memory? Um, so I've been a Falcons fan my whole life um, due to uh, it's really kind of a family tradition, but my grandmother has had season tickets since the Fulton County Stadium. Um, so I was kind of born into this uh, this curse, if you will, of heartbreak. Thank you, Graham. Um, but uh, been, a, been a fan my whole life, man, and, and you know, really it's um, – you know, I'm passionate about it because, you know, obviously I love the Falcons, but the the meat behind that is the fact that uh, it's more than just, um, you know, me loving the Falcons. It's 
um, it's a bond, you know, with my family. It's uh, a ton of memories and bonding with my, with my brother, Justin and my grandmother, Graham. Um, and, uh, it's a special, you know, relationship, my whole family, my mom too, uh, you know, stepdad Mark, it's something that we all bond over as a family. Um, and it, you know, it's just something that's always brought us close together. Uh, so that's what truly makes me a fan, uh, most of all. And then, my favorite memory, that's easy, Georgia Dome, uh, when we beat uh, the NFC Championship, when we beat the Green Bay Packers. Uh, one of the coolest moments um, in my entire life, I was on top of the world, uh, was actually there with my grandmother. This was uh, before I um, took over the season tickets myself, um, and uh, it was just special, man. You you know, that whole game was fun. You never felt like we didn't, you know, have the game. Um, it was kind of Matt Ryan, you know, I remember Matt Ryan's... Um, uh, scramble he runs and scores a touchdown and spikes the ball it was you know kind of really a symbolism of him getting the monkey off his back for all the haters and whatnot and now we're right back to that but um it was just a special game and you look around yourself um I remember looking you know looking around and seeing just everybody was crying uh you know people you know I had sat next to these people my entire you know you know since I started going to the dome since I was a kid these people have watched had watched me grow up to you know become a a man um, you know, at that point and, uh, you know, everybody's crying, everybody's hugging. Uh, it was just a special moment for everybody in that dome and everybody stayed, man. Confetti, you know, confetti's falling, um, as the players are holding up the NFC championship trophy, uh, they're passing out the shirts, they're wearing the hats. Um, so no doubt, man, that was my favorite Falcons memory, uh, of all time. So that was super special, but, um, Next question comes from Corey Ellison. For everybody out there, Corey Ellison is like a brother to me. Uh, love you, man. How does one obtain such a beautiful, luscious beard like yourself? Corey, you obviously did not follow the rules of providing a Falcons-related question, so I'm going to answer your question with a nice statement that I have from you in a video. Y'all want to fucking listen. We can Guys, that wraps up the questions. There were several more. We may get to those um, in the future. There were some related to injury and some uh, injuries in the future and, and several you know other things um, that were out there. Oh, I actually remember the question. Calvin Ridley's uh, foot injury, um, it's no big deal. He just had some, uh, some minor, very minor tweaking surgery, if you will, uh, something with the foot. He'll be good to go, no worries at all. Um, and even Arthur Smith said, if there's anything that he thinks that players will miss games, um, he will he will let the media know about that. He said he's not going to dance around that or, or play with folks' minds. He's going to be straight up about any injuries that would involve somebody missing games. So he's good to go on that. But uh, that wraps up these listener questions, guys. Uh, man, I appreciate y'all sending those in um, and messaging me with all the uh, the different things that you guys had. If your question didn't get answered, man, I promise you, um, in future episodes when we do this, I certainly uh, will make sure I circle back to your question. That's a wrap on episode 20 of the Heads Up Podcast. Guys, I appreciate you listening. Make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast and uh, leave a five-star review, man. We get about 250 listeners per episode, uh, but we've only got about 15 reviews. So uh, make sure you leave five stars and leave a comment. Those are the things that drive the algorithm for Apple. Right now, we're number three um, 
uh, when you search Atlanta Falcons podcast on Apple. I'd like to be two in a couple months and then eventually uh, number one. Uh, so make sure you guys are doing that. You can find me on Twitter at HeadsUpPodATL. You can find me on Instagram at Atlanta Falcons Podcast. You can find me on Facebook by searching the title of the podcast. Jason, thank you so much for what you do, uh, making the uh, podcast sound great. Uh, Guys, we're going to close this one out in style. We're going to close this one out with a little uh, message uh, to the uh, Milwaukee Bucks.